0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is show number 11. This should be an interesting and a big show. This is the first show we've done in a while. Actually, I'm not even sure when the last show was. I know it's been a couple of months, but there's been some major changes going on with the show. I've got some things I'll update you on in a little bit, but I want to... Get to introducing the new co-host of the Global Geek News Podcast, Mr. Wesley Faulkner. Hey, Wesley.
1: Hey, Jeremy.
0: Good to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you on. Glad to have a co-host once again.
1: Yeah. Good to be here. Uh, freezing my butt off here in Cincinnati, but uh, hopefully by the next time we do the show, I'll be back in Austin.
0: Yeah, we're freezing here in Colorado. Actually, it's only 40 degrees now, which is probably hotter than it's probably been in the past week. But we've been absolutely freezing here. Last week, it's the first time in my 20 years of living in Colorado that I've actually seen all the windows and doors frost over on the house. It was like 9 below outside.
1: Today, I think the the high was 12. Hmm.
0: We were a little bit warmer than that, but not by much, I don't think. But Anyway, uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do for a living.
1: Okay. Um, well, I am a product development engineer at AMD. My main duties include making sure products are consumer-ready. Um, for applications and software and utilities that come out of AMD. Uh, the most notable one as of late would be AMD Fusion Utility for Gaming which is the utility to shut down some unused processes and to help performance tune uh, ATI GPUs and AMD CPUs You will get the most right before you start gaming.
0: I was looking into that the other day, does it, when you turn it off after you're done gaming, does it bring the processes back, does it completely close them, or just minimize them, or how how does it do do what it does?
1: Well, some processes, it'll close completely. Uh, If you change it, uh, you can go in, in your options and check what applications It'll shut down, uh, whether they be startup applications or applications that just happen to be open. Anything that's a startup application that, you know, when you turn on your computer and it starts automatically, those will start up automatically. But any applications that just happen to be open, like Firefox, that don't start off automatically, those you'll manually have to start up again.
0: Hmm. That that seems to be pretty cool. Um, How does that work with... uh... Things like antivirus and stuff—I mean, those kind of have to stay around. You, I mean, a lot of people turn them off for gaming, but is that something you'll want? You have to configure manually, or does it automatically recognize the different antiviruses and firewalls and realize that those kind of need to stay running?
1: Well, when you load it, you can go into the advanced menu and choose what profile you want. or or you can even create your own, and for those, you can, if it's supported, you'll see it, and you'll just check it, like if it's Norton or something like that. Uh, If it's not supported, it's actually a very extensible application in which you can manually type in what programs you want it to shut down in an XML file. Of course, there's no UI for it. You have to kind of hack into it, Um, but you can you can choose what you want to shut down even if it is an antivirus program
0: so can you do like odd pairings with this and by that i mean can you do like an amd processor with an nvidia graphics card or an intel processor with a ati graphics card
1: you only can install this on amd processor and the overclocking or the performance tuning will only work on AMD um, processors and for ATI video cards. But uh, if you had, let's say, an AMD processor on an NVIDIA motherboard, it would still work. It just wouldn't do the overclocking for the video card.
0: Hmm. Okay. Well, that sounds like some pretty cool stuff that's coming from AMD. I know I'll Probably be trying it out. I don't have an ATI video card, but I can at least run it on my uh, already overclocked AMD processor. So maybe I can squeeze a little bit more of a performance boost out of there when I'm playing games like Crisis. But anyway, yeah, it's we... a
1: free utility. So so if if you don't like it, we'll refund the money.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, before we go ahead and get into the show. I will I do want to address a couple of things. I had planned on starting a video portion of the Global Geek of Global Geek News already. That's kind of been put on the back burner. Hopefully, I'll get that started up here in the next week or so. I actually actually am hopefully going to try and work with uh I think they're called Animoto for doing like some really cool intro stuff. I know they they were interested in partnering to do it in the past, so hopefully I can get in touch with the people there, and hopefully we can do some pretty cool things with the video, but that, that's coming up, and the Global Geek News blog is going strong, I'm always posting opinions on anything and everything coming up there, so make sure to check that out at globalgeeknews.com slash blog, or you can just go to globalgeeknews.com and hit the blog link but I think that's pretty much all the news going on with the site and everything. As of right now we are planning on doing this as a weekly show we've already got our next show scheduled so hopefully we should start seeing a little bit more regular posts and what's happened in the past. I know it's been kind of sad and I've over the past like two years, I've had all of 11 episodes, or this is the 11th episode. But hopefully, we should that should pick up now. Anyway, we've got a whole host of stories here to talk about. So go ahead and run down those before we get to talking about them. We for the for the <coughs> go ahead and we're gonna talk about Windows XP getting four more months of life.
1: Yeah, Australia to block BitTorrent.
0: EA is coming to Steam and there's no DRM.
1: And A-Bit closing its doors.
0: Looks like the Linux crowd could be getting some I'm a Linux videos.
1: Yeah, and using speed cameras to send tickets to your enemies.
0: (laughs) And New York is looking to go to LED streetlights.
1: Video games may be good for aging
0: brains. The RIAA is changing its tactics.
1: Warner Music Group and YouTube can not agree. Music pulled from YouTube.
0: And finally, teen file sharing is up 46%. Those stories and much more when we come back on the Global Geek News Podcast. Okay, and welcome back to the Global Geek News Podcast. Don't forget you can find all of our stories and the links to all the stories at globalgeeknews.com. I don't know the full URL of this particular episode, but that should get you there and you should be able to find it from that. But I guess we can go ahead and get right into our stories. Uh, Apparently Windows XP has gotten an extension of four more months of life. Apparently they were set to uh, kill off their, where you couldn't buy Windows XP licenses starting January thirty first. But I guess that's been pushed back to May thirtieth. My guess is that's largely due to netbook sales and people wanting to, or and people who don't want to get Vista before having to go to Windows Seven.
1: Yeah, my guess is that this date that they mark here to be the last date where you can get licenses, which is May 30th, I think that is the launch date of Windows 7.
0: I don't know about that. I think
1: that's what they're saying.
0: I I would seriously doubt that just because they haven't even released... I don't remember what the release date is supposed to be for the the beta of Windows 7. I know I read today that they're not going to have like a beta 1, beta 2, beta 3, and everything just because they're supposedly so confident in how stable it is. But I I really don't see it coming before June or July at the earliest, I don't think. Well,
1: they did early betas, I think, in December, Of special customers and I think beta 1 is supposed to actually come out for wide release on somewhere sometimes in January but if you look at the schedule of where most PC sales happen it's going to be back to school and holiday and in order for them to hit those big juicy sale periods especially in this recession I think they'll do whatever it takes to get it out as soon as possible
0: yeah, I, I I think we'll certainly see it by this summer. I would say fall at the latest, but I don't think we'll see it in the late spring. I'd, I'd say maybe mid-summer. Just, I mean, then they could capitalize on that back-to-school crowd. But even then, I don't know how much they're going to really get from that just because there are there do tend to be a lot of people that aren't early adopters for whole new operating systems especially after a lot of them got bit by problems with Vista.
1: Yeah, I agree and I think that is that's, that's um, that is a bold um, uh, release schedule to try to get it out on May 30th but I think that that's ne- not necessarily a ship date as in you'll see them in stores but at least probably a gold date when they'll start releasing it to the manufacturers to actually start loading on computers and add a, a month plus or so to that May 30th day and that's when you'll start seeing them in the shelf.
0: Yeah, I can't say I'm too surprised by how fast this seems to be moving along, just because from what I've read, the basics of Vista is basically the same as Windows 7. It's just they've changed around a lot of the UI and some of the things that didn't seem so intuitive and just didn't seem to work. Real well with Vista, but basically all the improvements and stuff that they made with Vista are still in there. As to where I've heard that all of the drivers and stuff that work for Vista are already going to work just fine on Windows 7, and I've I've even seen gaming benchmarks that where Windows 7 and Vista are basically the exact same.
1: Yeah, I I haven't had my hands on Windows 7 yet. Uh, I hope to have some eyes on it by the end of January at least, um, when it becomes more of a wide beta release. But I would I would tend to agree that they're virtually the same product, which is why I think they can release it by that May 30th day.
0: Yeah, I I I, I think that could that seems still seems a little early. I've downloaded it. I haven't gotten a chance to try it yet. I was gonna put it on my Aspire 1 until I realized I downloaded the 64-bit version and the Aspire 1 is only a 32-bit processor. But, I don't know. It, it's, I don't think they can get it out quite that fast, but I have a feeling that Windows XP could get another stay of execution for a couple more months or something until Windows 7 comes out. Yeah.
1: Well, as long as there's demand, they said they would still sell it. So um, I think they hope to – we'll probably see a marketing blitz ahead of the release of Windows 7 to, to contradict a lot of the, the, the Mac ads and a lot of the, the FUD that's going out there about this to try to get some mind share before Windows 7's released to the point where I think just advertising and letting people know that a new OS is coming out, I think that will diminish the sales for XP enough that I think you will see an uptick for Windows 7.
0: Yeah. And I wrote a post on the Global Geek News blog not too long, uh, it's, it's been a little while back on the whole concept of the naming of Windows 7 that I think is just weird because there's no real way that you can count to get to Windows 7 for it being the supposedly 7th biggest operating system release from them and whatever it it just seems it it doesn't really give the user confidence based in the name or it doesn't give them any excitement yes. just saying Windows 7
1: well it's a lucky number 7 <laughs> this is the product that's going to turn Microsoft around
0: I hope yeah, they better hope so They they seem to be losing market share to Apple every day, and it looks like Linux is starting to creep up on them too thanks to netbook sales, so they really need to kind of watch themselves. I think if things get too bad, Bill Gates may have to come back full-time and get things straightened out.
1: Oh, I don't think it's going to get that bad, but that would be interesting to see. I mean... You hear the, the the rumors about Steve Jobs uh, about you know how they cancel uh, they're pulling out of Macworld, World, and um, you see one CEO fading into uh, into the background over there at an Apple. I wonder if if that says something. And then you hear about Steve. Uh, hear about Bill Gates coming back at, at Microsoft. That would sound like they, they sent or smell some weakness and go in for the jugular.
0: Yeah. I've I've got this feeling that Steve jobs probably won't be around much more than I would say maybe the end of the year, maybe a little bit more, but I I'd say he's certainly gone here real soon.
1: Yeah. Then, then, you know, the whole thing about them getting market share might diminish just that much if, if if he's going on his own free will, then he might be able to 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 transition to another head and see how that goes. But if there's any animosity, like he's being forced out, because if if it is something that he doesn't he 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 doesn't want to leave his position, or he doesn't want to be pushed out of the spotlight, like, like it seems like he's being done, being done to him that I can see if there's any animosity there, that's going to be the duff null for, for Apple there. And I then think, Microsoft would just pounce on
0: Yeah. I think if Steve leaves, they'll, they'll be in a world of hurt because, you know, the day that he announces his retirement or whatever, the stock is going to plunge. I, I can't wait to see just how much it plunges when that day comes. But the only way I could see that as possibly being a good thing is that with as much as he likes to control things maybe if once he's out of there maybe they'll kinda re- loosen up some of the restrictions on the iPhone, the iPod Touch and stuff for the applications so that you can actually get some apps that people want that have been created that Apple doesn't want on there for one, for one reason or another.
1: Yeah, Yeah. one person leaves, especially a key person, it can cause a world of havoc and reorganization. I mean, I know. I mean, in a company that's had a few rounds of layoffs, and you take out one key person, and those emails are gone. You don't have access to their email address. The stuff in their head is gone. You don't have access to that anymore. I think it's going to be the same kind of world of hurt when Steve Jobs leaves. People are just going to not know what to do until they have to figure out another way of communicating with each other and getting things done.
0: Yeah. Well, I already think that Apple's kind of doing some mistakes and almost repeating history in the mobile market kind of the way they did in the early days of computers as to where with the iPhone, everything for the applications, it's closed off. It's kind of what they say they're dedicated to one carrier, one device, whereas you see the Android phones, They're you can put those on pretty much, I don't even know how big the Open Handset Alliance is now, With I think they had 14 new members just last week, that they're going to be on all kinds of devices, and it's completely open, and I think this is basically just kind of, what happened to them before and it's just kind of all happening to them again in the mobile market just because of the fact that they like to have control and they don't want to give up that control to anybody for any reason.
1: Yeah, larger entities always try to control the people under them and especially if these people are captive captive, and they feel that they can't go anywhere else. Uh kind of like this next story about Australia the block BitTorrent the, the whole country is trying to control what their people can do
0: yeah I, I've always heard horror stories about internet in Australia with the extremely low bandwidth caps and everything but with this new move that I guess is supposed to I think the trial run is supposed to be on what is it Christmas Eve New Year's Eve something like that where, yeah,
1: Christmas Eve.
0: Christmas Eve. Where the censorship... Oh, I can't even think of his, the guy's proper title. The censorship czar or whatever it is. Or censorship minister, Steve, Stephen Conroy, is apparently now just going to... wants to block all of BitTorrent, whether it's legitimate or not. Which seems like he's kind of shooting himself in the foot there, especially within, when the... When there's hopes of an election coming up, that things could change, all this stuff.
1: Yeah, that's obviously stupidity. I, I don't think this guy knows anything of what he's doing. To, to to like, if you even read the story and saying that the ISPs haven't even been contacted to exactly what they need to do, uh, and the coordination, it, blocking BitTorrent especially when you have anonymizers and people who try to uh, go through um, uh, different proxies, I don't see how this could even be to the point where they can limit people to get the, the content that they want from BitTorrent. I mean, I hear all the time that BitTorrent's not for pirating. I personally don't use BitTorrent for pirating, wink, wink. Um, but I do use it occasionally to get Linux ISOs and that is the most popular way of getting it because there are so many flavors of Linux it's, it's easy just to go to BitTorrent and get it there and the people who use BitTorrent are probably the most tech savvy and they are people who are going to find a way around this problem so it's not going to actually do anything
0: yeah it- I don't know, it seems like to me I've kind of noticed that the higher up in government you get, the less and less they know about these kind of things and the more prone they are to making stupid decisions about these kind of things. But Mm I have i can't say that I always use BitTorrent for legitimate purposes. I'll be the first to admit that I tend to pirate more than I probably should. But I mean, I've... I've been known to get Linux ISOs and stuff, too, but just to, this is kind of a throwing the baby out with the bathwater idea of just blocking everything just because it's making a couple of music and movie groups mad.
1: Yeah, that, this reminds me of the, uh, the, the, the restrictions on news group that they did, I think it was in New York, where they just stop allowing news groups because of child porn and I think this censorship because it is censorship is is a slippery slope in which they're worried about piracy to my knowledge I haven't heard much about the RIAA or any other big companies going after Australia for piracy
0: I don't think piracy in Australia is that big a problem just because of the bandwidth caps. I think if they were if they had if they were more like the US and had bigger caps, like even like a Comcast 250 gigabyte cap, then I think you'd have to worry about it a little bit more. But I hear people all the time complaining about it just for getting their the podcasts that they like. Because I hear that there's some that are like limited to 5 gigabytes of bandwidth a month or something like that.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it would be easier to drop ship a hard drive from the United States than to get on BitTorrent to get the content to distribute it illegally.
0: Yeah, it may not be the cheapest way, but yeah, that's certainly the way to do it. And, I don't know, it seems to me, I'm constantly hearing about these different filters and stuff for Australia. It seems like they're just becoming a less productive version of China to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I would... I can see some sort of third-party satellite internet provider just going there and just setting up shop and bypassing this whole censorship minister in any any way that they want to. It's just another pirated internet that people can do whatever they want on that's outside the, the eyes of government I mean I personally if I had to live under these standards I would totally revolt and protest
0: well I that's it's part of why I have no desire to ever go to Australia I mean, I, there's things about it that I'd like to go there but when you have internet this restrictive that kills any desire I have to go to a country like that. I I hate
1: yeah, any maybe it, maybe it'll be the country maybe it'll be the country where people go to unplug.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate anything restriction bit anything that has any kind of restrictions on it whether it's internet or DRM for an example uh, and EA is finally starting to realize this and now they're jumping on board with Steam and getting rid of their DRM after having Spore, which I don't even I don't remember the last uh, totals I saw of it, but where the game has been pirated more than a million times, and it didn't even or it it was pirated more than it was sold or whatever, and it, it's the most pirated game of all time just because of all the DRM issues with it. I mean, yeah, there's going to be some people that are going to pirate it anyway, but I remember the just the day or two after Spore came out, just the thousands of reviews on Amazon that just completely hammered it just because of the DRM.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think that physical media is dead, and this is just another proof point. Why wait for a CD to come with that has all this DRM and all those restrictions on it? We can just load up Steam and just download and start playing the day it comes out. And it, it seems like if you want to get rid of pirating, just go to Steam. It's a more effective way of distributing your game, and you don't have to worry about all those restrictions of, uh, and complaints and all those bad rats they've gotten out of uh, of their, their proprietary third-party DRM scheme. I think this is a good PR move by EA, and I think this is a good way to for them to say, hey, users, we hear you, and this is what we're going to do to make sure that you don't have
0: problems. Uh, this is something I was planning on blogging about on the Global Geek News blog today, I just didn't get time, hopefully I'll make it tomorrow, and it's just all about the issues with EA and how they've gone from what used to be a good company to basically a crappy company that's laying off employees left and right, and only seems to make games that are just a little bit different every year, but I've I'm a, I've always wanted EA to move to Steam, I... For a while now, EA's had their own kind of download thing, kind of like Steam. But it's always been a piece of junk that most of the time just crashes on me. To see them on Steam makes me extremely happy. I might actually start buying more might start to buy more EA games now. Although there's a good number of these games that are already that are in the store that I already have. But just because it's on Steam doesn't mean, necessarily mean that there's no DRM. I mean, Yeah, with these, they say there's no DRM, but I think it's Grand Theft Auto 4 that's now on Steam. It still has the SecuROM DRM on it still. But at least with the yeah. digital download, it's a whole lot more convenient than having to order it online or go to a GameStop to pick it up or something like that.
1: Yeah, I I understand that there's still DRM, but this it's more of a less intrusive, less breaky breaky DRM. Usually, Steam is pretty good about games working when they're on there, instead of them just not working because of some stupid DRM issue.
0: Yeah, I've never had an issue with Steam. There's been one thing that I've always just kind of had in the back of my mind that had me a little bit worried. And that I've heard of stories of if you have your Steam account banned, you essentially lose all your games that you've purchased and have on Steam. That that would just be the one major downfall of something like this.
1: Yeah, all your eggs are in one basket at that point. That's true. But hopefully that also means that they, they'll stay around for a while since they're now basically a de facto standard of of online game distribution. Yeah, and some yeah. of that little stuff will just work way out.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of gamers will be a world in a world of hurt if they ever close. And speaking of closing, it looks like A Bit is closing its doors. I I was kind of surprised to see this. I've been a user of A Bit motherboards for years. I don't I don't think I'm currently running anything with an A Bit motherboard in it. Or at least not anymore. I think I'm, I think i right now. I'm using all gigabit stuff, but I I've, I've used them in the past and I really liked them. I was shocked when I saw this story that they were closing down.
1: Yeah, and I'm gonna guess they're gonna be the first of many. Um, a bit and a lot of these other motherboard manufacturers, especially out of Taiwan they run on razor thin margins I'm talking about pennies per component that they would if if, uh, if the price of one one, uh, one, one cap one, one capacitor went up by two cents they, they would just not use them anymore um, so I think this is probably the first of many especially with the recession uh, my concern is those people who do or who have bought abit motherboards I wonder if they're going to keep their driver's side up. I, I, I'm guessing they're not because it's going to be costing their money. But, yeah, you know, motherboards pretty much stay in the channel and stay on shelves for, for a while, especially like if you get some of these cheaper, uh, cheaper combos or these, uh, these fly by night, um, PC makers like, um, you know, system like home built systems, um, They might still sell an A bit motherboard, and then the drivers won't be updated. Especially BIOSes. Uh, To get a new BIOS, uh, you need a motherboard manufacturer to stay up for a while. Especially when these bugs just crop up after several months.
0: Yeah, I don't. When I've been using A bit or anybody else, I don't think I've ever really had any issues that I've even really had to update anything. There may have been once with an A bit bored when I went to change processors that I had to update the BIOS but that's never something been something that I've had to do as to where I've ever really had to worry about it but I would certainly be worried about it if it wasn't there I, I, I when I buy yeah. something and spend a hundred dollars or more on it I want there to at least be some kind of a su- support network behind it where I can at least get my problems fixed if I have any
1: yeah, usually when a, a, a new OS comes out, like you, like we talked about, Windows 7 is coming out not too not too long from now, um, next six, seven months or so. Um, I'm guessing there are going to be new drivers needed, even though they're pretty much the same as Vista. Usually there's just subtle differences when you talk about a low-level component like a motherboard that you'll need some driver updates for, and those people probably won't get it.
0: Yeah. Uh, well... Considering the razor-thin margins, it it makes me wonder how some of these much smaller uh, motherboard makers, like PC chips and stuff, are able to stick around, just because I remember A-Bit used to be... A-Bit and Asus were the top motherboard makers and had the best reputation out of anybody, and it's kind of hard to imagine them closing down while all these other smaller ones are sticking around.
1: Yeah. Well, I, from from uh, from what I've heard, those smaller manufacturers can be as small as like eight people, <laughs> ten people or so in a room making motherboards. So I can see how some really small ones can keep it together. But if you're on the cusp, of like someone who has a lot of overhead when you have a lot of people, that's when you can start sacrificing and cutting heads in order to become alive, I mean to stay alive. And and I guess they got to the point where they couldn't cut any more people to make it happen.
0: Hmm. Well, it's certainly sad to see. I, I, I think I already had one problem with them ever, and I've always been a big fan of them. Because as I recall, they used to always uh, sponsor major LAN parties that I've always gone to. They've done demonstrations, and I've always been a big fan of their overclocking technology and all kinds of stuff. And I, it just is really sad to see that they're closing at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, that's just yeah. But unfortunately, a lot of with the recession, the worldwide recession, I think this is going to be the first of many.
0: Yeah. Well, on a slightly happier note, it looks like there's some I'm a Linux video is coming. Uh, apparently, the Linux community is now going to try and fight off, fight up against Apple and Microsoft and come out with their own version of commercials. Or, well, I guess this is kind of a community-driven thing, where whoever makes the best I'm a Linux commercial or I guess it's any kind of a Linux commercial. Gets to a free trip to Tokyo to participate in the Linux Foundation Japan Linux symp- Symposium in October. And apparently, the winning videos are also going to be screened at the Linux Foundation Collaboration Summit in San Francisco on April 8th. But I don't know. If I recall, I believe there was a Novell made a real similar I'm a Linux commercial last year but I never saw it gain any traction whatsoever it was just kind of a well now there's a Linux commercial out and the only people that really seemed to know about it was the Linux community so I, unless yeah something...
1: I think yeah I, yeah I was going to say I think that the um, the way that they're going about this is so anti-Linux that one person or one, one, when uh, a couple of people are going to be winners, and everybody else is going to be losers. I, I was hoping to see something a la Star Wars Kid for this ad: some people doing some special effects, some people doing the acting, some people doing the music, and have a whole group community effort go towards one video that would comprise what it means to be a Linux user and what Linux means to them.
0: Well, if these commercials make it to regular television, I I think it could almost cause more problems than it solves for Linux just because of how many different distributions there are. I mean, yeah, there are some that are bigger than others, like Ubuntu is bigger than Slackware or whatever, but... People aren't going to know what Linux is when they go and try and look it up online and they see all these different flavors of Linux, and it's just going to cause more confusion, and it's not going to convert the people that they want it to.
1: Right. And if you're in Australia, you wouldn't be able to use BitTorrent to download it either.
0: Yeah. Well, if, I don't remember where I saw the numbers at, but I believe... The Linux netbooks tend to be returned more than the Windows XP-based netbooks, just because people aren't familiar with it and can't seem to figure it out. And I don't. And until Linux figures out some of its, some of its usability issues compared to like Windows, any version of Windows or anything, I think it's Going to remain kind of in last place. I, I mean, when you go to install an application, if you know how to install it, you're fine. But it's not as intuitive as clicking an installer and let it run like you can with Windows. A lot of the times that you have to do stuff by the command line, and that's not something the general population is going to know how to do or want to do.
1: Yeah, I, I think Linux needs to go the other direction of where it is right now. Like, if you look at uh, uh, of uh, someone who's a geek, uh, someone who's cool, and someone who's trendy, like, if you look at the Mac user, they're trendy, but not necessarily the geeks that do any hacking or programming or anything like that. You go a little bit higher, you go to the PC maker, uh, I mean, the, the PC user's, and those ones who are used to getting in getting their hands dirty and building their own PCs and you go to Linux and that's just another level. I think Linux needs to go underneath uh, the Mac and be so dead simple that grandma and grandpa can use it. And under only then did I think do I think it'll really will gain traction. Do the opposite of where they are and go to the point where you Try to predict what the user wants and go ahead and do that for them.
0: Yeah, I think
1: Don't ask the user if they want to upgrade. Yeah, just go ahead and do the upgrade. Don't even ask them if, if they want to close a tab. Just close the tab. Just get rid of all the prompts and do everything automatically. It'll piss someone like me off, but someone like my mother, she would love something where she doesn't have to think and it'll do
0: it for her. Yeah, I, I think the user experience is really where Linux Linux needs a lot of work. I mean, it's come quite a ways, but there's still it still needs a lot of work. And I really think the only way around that without addressing that issue specifically is having Linux more used in schools where kids kind of grow up on Linux and at least have an idea of how to use it, kind of like they did with. Windows as to where there's so many people that are dependent on Windows now. I think if they... I know there's a lot of countries that are starting to go towards Linux for schools and governments and stuff like that, and I I think if that was a bigger movement, I think that that would kind of alleviate that problem a little bit. The problem is still there, especially for people who don't go through the educational system and don't have that kind of experience. But I I think that's the only real way of getting around it without addressing the issue specifically.
1: Yeah, I would have to say that I I agree with you there um, about the emerging markets and people learning how to use them. Um, But if you've seen the... um, have you seen the, the XO, the, the one laptop per child computer? That That's running Linux, and I picked it up for the first time, and I, I was totally lost. I could not figure out what to do, uh, how to use the computer. So, I mean, that just means that, that when a little kid picks it up, I doubt that they would have the same ease. And in an emerging market, I really think usability needs to be, by foremost, the the first thing that someone needs to focus on, and everything else should be in support of that. So, so I agree that people who learn to use it, who learn on Linux, I just think that they need to make it easier so people can learn on it and not just get frustrated and say, I hate computers just because their first computer ran Linux.
0: Yeah, I think with the XO laptop, I think that's from. I've never seen one. I've never, or other than pictures, I've never seen one. And I've never gotten to try one out. But I hear the Linux experience on that is a is a whole lot worse than your general Ubuntu type experience. So I'm I'm not real sure how that compares to give a real good assessment of how that isn't on the scale of usability but it's there's a lot of things that are great about it but at the same time there's some things that just need to be changed and usability is the biggest issue that they face yeah
1: unfortunately I, I, the the development of UI is still in an engineering type mindset instead of like a PR campaign you go, to, you go to any movie now, like uh, I just saw not too long ago, Quantum of Solstice, uh, with the 007 movie, and you see all these new UIs that obviously somebody thought about and decided to put in a movie. If we get those people to work on Linux, I think <laughs> I think that'll help it <laughs> turn it around and maybe people say, hey, this is cool, let me get
0: use this. Yeah, I I I think if the Linux community just had some better UI designers and stuff, I think that would be a tremendous help. And I've seen some of the latest versions of KDE and stuff and they're really nice, but a nice user interface and does not necessarily make a nice user experience. Sure. Yeah. But uh, go ahead and move on to the next story apparently some people are using speed cameras to rack up the amount of speeding tickets for their enemies I found this story hilarious when I read it apparently I guess this happens more with younger kids like in, in school and stuff where they're taking copies of people's license plates I guess they're getting like a photocopy of them or whatever putting them on their car or the really clever ones are getting the copies of them, putting them on cars of the similar make and model and zooming past speed cameras just to rack up speeding tickets for people they don't like, like teachers and stuff.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is hilarious. Unless it happens to you, of course. (laughs) Um, uh, I know in some cities, the speed cameras aren't owned by the city or the municipality that's doing it. It's some third-party company. So when you get a ticket, it's not it's not something that you can contest. It's more of a, a civil litigation at that point. And so you have to pay it or else they'll sue you. Um, and also, I don't think this will last long because I think the newer uh, red light cameras that are speeding cameras, they take a picture of your license plate and the person driving and they send both to you. So uh, I think this won't last too long, but until then, I think a lot of people will have a lot of fun with this.
0: Well, it seems like I read something in the past couple of weeks where some guy keeps, I think it was in England, that keeps... Driving around with all these speed cameras or red light cameras or whatever it is, but he's all made up as like a clown or wearing some kind of a mask or something as to where they can't say for sure that it's him, so he can't get the ticket. Which mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, that's one way of certainly getting around it. I know I'm happy that we don't have anything like that here. If there's one thing I have, it's a heavy foot. And my driving record will attest to that. But, mm-hmm. I don't know. Around here, we have, we'll we have speed traps and stuff. I mean, there's certain places around town that you have a pretty good idea that where the cops are going to sit and just how fast you can get away with and stuff. But we never had any cameras or anything. Supposedly, I think by this fall, they were supposed to have installed some red light cameras at some intersections, but I never have seen them go up yet, so I don't know. I've only ever gotten one speeding ticket, and even that, I wasn't going as fast as they said I was, and there's a whole big issue with the court, and well, let's just say I think the judge and the particular sheriff's deputy were kind of in on it together and it was just one big issue that went on for the better part of a year but I'm yeah. glad I, I well, don't have to with, with... go ahead
1: I was going to say with, with, it's kind of funny though with stuff like that it's a huge digital technology uh, 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 big 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 machine going to get these people and there's a big analog hole in it <laughs> of wearing a mask or mm-hmm. taking a photocopy of someone else's license plate and putting it over yours. I, I just think it's kind of hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many ways around it. I think that's part of why Colorado hasn't got any of these things, or at least that I know of. There may be some like around Denver, but that... I know, like in Colorado Springs, it's Colorado Springs is considered basically one big speed trap. And I know um, places on the interstate. I saw this earlier this year, where they have those great big concrete barriers that are just kind of sound barriers from the interstate to residential neighborhoods, where they'll get mm-hmm. one police that's just barely peeking around the corner of an egg for, of an on ramp, just enough to stick his gun out there. Where is where you can almost not see him at all, and he's got a motorcycle cop on the other side of the barrier just waiting to go catch somebody. And they, they're real big on motorcycle cops in Colorado Springs all times of the year. Here in Pueblo, it's only during the summer that you ever see motorcycle cops. But up there, it's all year round, and they're constantly getting people. But up there even the cops have admitted on the news, if you unless you're going at least 10 over up there, they're not even going to give you a second look, just because everybody speeds up there. I think if everybody slowed down, they might, but since everyone speeds up there, unless you're going at least 10 over, they don't even care. Me, personally, I usually stick to about 5 over. Occasionally, I'll go 10 over, just kind of depending on the neighborhood that I'm in. But, so far it's nothing's ever happened to me minus the one speeding ticket, which I should never have had. Yeah, well I, I I just think it's
1: it's impossible to have computers do something that a person needs to physically witness, especially if you're talking about court where the only evidence they have is a picture. And I can tell you, the first time that I ever get a ticket from a red light camera or some sort of speed camera, I'm going to load this article up and say, hey, <laughs> this wasn't me, and, and and people do this all the time. And, and it better get thrown out. Because unless they have somebody else to rebut, which they won't, if it's all the evidence they have is just this picture... I'm bringing up this article.
0: Well, unfortunately for me, I listened to, well, at the time it was my cousin that was in law school. I I had a whole theory all planned out. I had footage from Mythbusters about uh, speed things being caught, or going off on birds instead of cars and stuff like that. Because I was going through a canyon at the time and then I had all that done up and everything, and then my cousin kind of talked me out of it to go a different direction, and I think that's what made me lose it, because basically through there, there's so many eagles and stuff like that that that's probably what they clocked, because at the section that I was going, the speed limit was like 55, and which Coming out of the corner that I come out of, I think it was rated at like 35 miles an hour. Yet they were saying I did 74. I think, and it it really didn't make any sense other than them catching a bird or something. And why I backed off of that theory, I don't know. Every I've regretted oh, wow. that every day since. But anyway, you have a Ferrari? <laughs> no, I had a little Plymouth Breeze at the time.
1: Okay, well, you should have used that as a defense.
0: <laughs> yeah. I
1: couldn't have gone 74. I thought I to breathe.
0: Well, I my car could have could corner really well, as to where I I can in that car I could have just about take 90 degree turns at about 40 miles an hour, as to where it wouldn't be that far fetched. It's just it had such a small engine on that car. It would have I would have basically had to have floored it to do that. Now, I think I probably did have my foot on the gas as to where I was going maybe 64, 64, 65, not 74. But that day, I was basically looking to make record time from Salt Lake City to Pueblo, which is like a 10-hour drive. I think I made it in 7, even with getting stopped for the speeding ticket. But... And I was averaging, like, 85 miles an hour, I think, the whole time. But, I don't know, I suppose... I certainly deserved a speeding ticket that day for all the speeding that I did, but not at that particular time for the speed that they caught me at. But... I don't know. Know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, speaking of the streets, apparently... Oh, wait. Oh, yeah, that is the next story. Um, New York City is looking to put in LED streetlights. I guess they have some... They're only going to start with, I think it's six streetlights out of their 300,000. But I guess they're looking to go to LED streetlights instead of the traditional streetlights. It looks like they can have... That each can have up to 100 LEDs and the, and, the, and the lights can be tailored for different environments such as parks, street corners putting them on the middle of a block because I guess you can do different light patterns and stuff I'm kind of curious why they're doing such a long trial period of this Was they're testing them out till fall 2009 before they start to roll this out Wider because I think that if they rolled this out wider, they would have a whole lot less of an electric bill running the street lights.
1: Yeah, the population density in New York would be perfect for trying to save power, especially when they had the that blackout that blackout uh, a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, because the grid was taxed so much. The um, only thing I would question is, how much is this going to cost? Because I've seen a lot of LED lights. I've actually looked into getting some for my house. They're pretty
0: expensive. Yeah, I, I we looked into them for getting them here at the house not too long ago, and it was like I think I was looking at like $40 per light bulb or something like that. I I'm, In the long run, I think you kind of make up that just because it's like the a tenth of the cost of a compact fluorescent, I think. Plus, they last for thousands of hours longer. Or I don't even know how much longer, but I know it lasts a whole lot longer than a compact fluorescent. So, I, in the end, it certainly makes up for it, but the initial cost is by no means cheap. And I'm not sure yeah. how doing like 100 LEDs each would be. So I don't know. I would, I'm kind of curious to see how bright they are and the kind of light that they give off compared to traditional street lamps.
1: Yeah, the the picture in this article, these lights seem very thin. I don't, it doesn't look like they even give off. They can give off that much light. Uh, but of course, I mean, if if i mean, I'm sure they have to be adequate, or else they wouldn't even consider it. Um, but that these look very expensive and and with, as I said, the economy, the way things are, that much financial outlay, uh, unless you know, future President Barack Obama is donating some of this money to help kickstart off the economy, I, I personally don't I think that's a bad idea at this time to lay out that kind of cash.
0: Uh, I think I think something like this could certainly pay for itself over time, although I'm kind of wondering if they would have to replace the entire pole just to get the new lights or if they can just replace the part that hangs out over the street. so if they had to replace the whole pole, then it could get a little on the expensive side but the way it, but just replacing the lights I think it it wouldn't take a too long to pay for itself. I mean, it would take several years, probably. But it it would certainly pay for itself in the long run, plus be a whole lot less demanding on the city's power grid.
1: That's true. Yeah. Well, hopefully it works out. This is the first time I've heard of something um, at least of the scale of using uh, LEDs for lighting. Um, Maybe New York could be could be um, the, the the test bed for this. What I would like to see is some place like Las Vegas or maybe Times Square go to all LED lights. That will definitely save on some power.
0: Yeah, that that would certainly be interesting to see. But speaking of experimental things that might just be good, apparently video games may now be good for aging brains. This is something I've always kind of assumed. But apparently there's now a study out that says, that has, was done with, I guess, 40 adults in their 60s and 70s that found that when they play strategy-heavy games, in this case I believe it was Rise of Nations, they were able to... Um, show gains in memory tests, reasoning, and the ability to multitask, and I'm—I think there was some other things, but I guess it was like where a group would spend 23 hours of playing the game every week, and it would just kind of improve their general brain function altogether.
1: Well, my question is what kind of older people were they? Um, Were they just retirees that did nothing? Or were these people who are already active? I'm wondering if you throw these people in a classroom for a month, if you would get some of the same results. Because you could do puzzles or Sudoku, Sudoku or any kind of activity. I think that you would see some similar results. I think Video games was just one method that they used to keep the people active, and would this work with the Wii? I wonder.
0: Uh, I it might work with the Wii. I can see why they're saying more strategy-heavy games, and rather, and they're not really saying anything about like puzzles like Sudoku and stuff. Just because when you're dealing with those kind of games, it's much more fast-paced, where you don't necessarily have complete time to think out every single decision. So you kind of have to get used to these kind of things and then you can just kind of make the decisions naturally and much quicker. I know I've seen uh, research in the past that showed that people who play video games, I don't remember if there was like a, anything having to do with age in it, but generally have faster reaction times, which does stuff like make some better drivers and stuff, and there's all kinds of different studies that have been done about the benefits of gaming, and I'm kind of surprised it took this long to show something like this.
1: Yeah, well, I think that um, our generation, we grew up with video games, so Hopefully, when we get to this age, the 60s and 70s, that we'll already be playing video games, <laughs> and we don't have to worry about a study coming in, um, because video games are here to stay. I, I don't think I'll finish uh, I'll finish playing them anytime soon, and I don't think that they're going to get any less complicated or any less stimulating. Um, I, in fact, they'll probably get more stimulating. So, I I don't see myself stopping stopping playing video games, and I'm not sure, I, I bet you would say the same. But, I mean, we grew up with keeping video games. It's in our blood. It's in our DNA. Um, I think that just means that we'll be sharper when we get around this age.
0: Yeah. Well, that kind of reminds me of a study that I saw. It wasn't, it was earlier this year. I don't remember. It seems like a couple of months ago where Apparently, I think it's like at age 39 is where your, uh, basically your physical reflexes start to go downhill, and that made me just think, gee, I've only got another 18 years of my, of gaming in my prime before my reflexes start to go downhill. I'm kind of wondering if I do stuff like this and play these games, which I always anyway, I've been playing video games since I was two years old so for the past 19 and a half years but if I do that, if I'll still have the reaction times that I have now for things like driving when I'm older as I do now, or at least don't don't show the signs of slowing down like most people that don't play video games do yeah
1: It's use it or
0: lose it, and as long as you still use it,
1: I think you'll be okay. Look at Jack LaLanne. Look at that guy.
0: Mm hmm Yeah, I don't know. My family's always been on me for years saying, griping at me because I spend too much time playing games and whatever, yet they don't ever seem to understand some of these things that are shown in these studies and the fact that I have quicker reflexes and can see and can notice stuff a whole lot faster than most people can. I've... My, I've had... My mom's been playing in my... on her new computer that I got her. She gets these uh, puzzle games where they're just kind of a... You have these rooms that are filled with a bajillion different objects, and you have to pick out certain objects that are kind of hiding throughout the room it'll take her quite a while to sit there and pick them all out. I can walk up to the computer and just start picking them out right away just because I'm used to noticing small details in very fast situations where I have to see these details or my character that I'm playing as dies. So seeing these stuff and reacting to it very quickly is just... Basically, kind of second nature to me.
1: Why don't you do your little, uh, your own little study? Go ahead and get her um, this video game that I was using to study, and uh, have her play that for a month, <laughs> and then send her back to playing her, uh, her her Jewel game or her game where she goes in the room and gets stuff, and see if she does any better.
0: I would, but I don't know where I've put that game. I know I've got it in a box somewhere, but that and her computer, it's got integrated graphics, so I don't think it would run it, and I don't let anybody touch my gaming machine. I don't care who you are, but (laughs) that might be something I might try, just to kind of see, but I don't know if she's got real slow reaction times anyway, so she would probably just get more frustrated with frustrated with it than anything, but that might be something I might be interested in trying in the future if I ever get around to upgrading her computer to something that could play something like that. But speaking of changes, it looks like the RIAA is changing its tactics. It's no longer going to be suing individual people for sharing music. Instead, it's going to go to the user's ISP and and tell them to disconnect the user.
1: I read this article and I didn't understand what is the incentive for the ISP to comply with the RIAA. It just means more work on
0: their part. I don't think there's really a whole lot of incentive that they have to do this, other than if they knock off some of these peer-to-peer users that are using it to swap files, they may be able to knock off some of the congestion that they have in their network. That That's really the only thing I can see as a benefit to the ISP for stuff like this. But really, yeah. I think this is just kind of a way to of the RIAA trying to accomplish the same thing it was doing, but without all the lawsuits and expensive big city lawyers and everything.
1: Yeah, follow the money. Um, I think they were losing too much money doing this blanket suing, and I bet the ISP is getting a little bit of kickback for complying with this program. I think if you look at the numbers, that's the only thing that would make, make it make sense.
0: Yeah, and there are no... There's nothing released in terms of who what ISPs are complying with this. Supposedly AT&T is, but outside of that, I don't know. And I guess a lot of the details are still being worked out as, for this plan. That I can't even remember what they called it. But, I don't know, I, It's it seemed like I saw some numbers not long ago where they were making some money off of the lawsuits and sending these legal letters and everything saying give us $3,000 or we'll sue you but I don't think it was anything that would really benefit them and it just and it didn't seem to be getting out the message that they were trying to get out as far as buy music or bad things will happen to you in the end it just made them look like a mafia group just about where it's kind of a it's our way or no way kind of thing
1: yeah if if you look at the past I bet they were making money at the beginning before the word got out and before people started fighting back Now it seems like whenever someone is going against the RAA saying, I'm going to fight you, I'm not just going to comply, it seems that that's getting more publicity than their victories or being a deterrent. It's being more of a uniter of people against them than anything else.
0: Oh, and it is. I mean, I rarely ever see any big mainstream press about this with the exception of when, what's her name, I can't even think of it off the top of my head was convicted for sharing files and had to pay a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever. I mean, that was that's probably the only time I ever saw it get any real mainstream press outside of the blogosphere. And with the blogosphere, I don't think I've seen a single person that's for the RIAAA or the RIAA just because
1: people Are you talking about uh, Jamie Jamie Thomas?
0: I think so I think that's the one, yeah. yeah I don't know for some reason that Tanya Anderson was coming to mind but she's the other one that's suing them back but um, I think especially the people on the internet understand that If you want people to buy your product, you don't treat them like criminals and just assume that they're going to try and screw you any way they can.
1: Yeah, what they should do is take the money that they would use for all these lawsuits and do some some word-of-mouth advertising or do some sort of campaign such a Figure out how people want to consume their media, uh, how they how you can entice them to buy more music instead of just suing people. Say hey, if we threw you know a couple of free stickers, or maybe gave you ten percent off off tour tickets to go see your 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 artist when you buy the CD, would you do that? Yes or no. Do some market research. Put put some boots on the ground and find a way to combat the problem instead of suing people who are your customers. There's better ways to deal with this than what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and there's a whole lot of different ways. I mean, you've seen groups in the past year that have been trying different ways of making money off of their music and have done so successfully. And and really the RIAA is just kind of barking up the wrong tree when as far as losing money to piracy, that's more happening with the physical things that's mainly going on more in Eastern Asia rather than the occasional swapping of a file or two on a a peer-to-peer network.
1: Yeah, I can't say that I wanted to buy an album and I said, you know what? I'm going to save my money and steal it. And I can't say that I know anybody else
0: who's in that boat either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I've uh, downloaded music both legally and not so legally, but I think it really depends a lot of what I decide when it comes to when I buy music is who's getting the money? Is it the record labels that's getting the money? Or is it the artist that's getting the money? Or in the case of banned from TV, the CD-DVD that I had come today that I ordered off of Amazon, all the money from that they make in sales from those CDs goes straight to charities. I don't remember what all charities they go for, but it's good music. I had never heard the music before, but it had people in it that I liked, and the fact that the money was going to charities rather than to the pockets of the record label executives, that was the selling point for me. I think if they marketed more in terms of stuff like that and weren't out to just get money for themselves, I think they would see sales go through the roof.
1: Yeah, and hiring a bunch of suits uh, does not perpetuate the, perpetuate the fact that a lot of the money is going towards the artists.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of music wanting money, apparently Warner Music Group has killed their deal that they had with YouTube and they were renegotiating and has decided to pull all of their content from YouTube and any user uploaded content that belongs to them, supposedly, has been pulled from YouTube also just because they couldn't get as much money as they wanted.
1: Yeah, they'd rather get no money. <laughs> I, I think this is very stupid, very asinine, and it, it, it seems like they are just, they were pulled and dragged into the 21st century, and now they said, you know what, this is not so good. And then they pull right out of it because they didn't get what they wanted. So this is nothing but, you know, I'm just taking my ball and going home instead of just taking whatever money they can get wherever they can get it. Um, I think they're being too picky. I'm not sure what the contract said, but um, if the contract's unacceptable, then they should have t- taken the time and written a better contract the first time around.
0: Yeah, well, the, when they did it the first time around, it was before Google had ever bought and had ever purchased YouTube, as to where YouTube was still kind of its own small little thing. So, as to where I don't think they probably would have had quite the positioning they have now. But to go with no money rather instead of little money is a little on the stupid side. I mean, not only can they get money for the advertising that they can do in the videos. I mean, I've seen, especially with these partner videos on YouTube, where they'll display ads in the lower third. I mean, not only could they get money from that, but... By having their music up there and basically using it as a marketing tool, especially now that in YouTube, underneath all the music videos and stuff, they have a link that says buy this in the Amazon MP3 store, and not only are you getting the ad money, but you can get it from get the money from when people buy it from the mp3 from the amazon mp3 store i'm I'm not real sure what more you could even ask for at that point
1: yeah i i i hope that this will get fixed and that the contract will be re-signed hopefully in the next couple weeks um but uh hopefully it's just a stunt just so they can get their position but I think uh, both YouTube and and, and Warner are going to lose out on this deal if it doesn't go through.
0: Yeah, well, and I guess all the other major labels are in rene- in the renegotiation process, too, so I'm kind of curious to see how this affects their negotiations.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe Warner might do something um, a la Hulu, and band with some other record labels to make their own music video distribution network. I think that'd be nice, but right now, there are no other games in town. It's either YouTube or nothing. Or maybe, what, MySpace Music? But, come on.
0: Yeah, I I don't... S- starting their own uh, music site, kind of like what NBC and Fox did with Hulu is an idea but I don't think it's the best idea just because developing a big site like that and maintaining it is probably gonna end up costing you more than what you're hoping to make from it and you can do it a little bit easier with video like Hulu does but when you've already basically have all everything in place with YouTube You're already making some money off of it. You don't have to pay anything for people to upload the videos. You don't have to pay the bandwidth bill. You don't have to pay to create this site. I I really don't think it would be in their best interest financially to try and create their own version of YouTube just for their own product just because they don't like the terms that they're getting from YouTube.
1: Yeah, I think the fact that it's so quiet as to what the pain points are, I think the reason why they're not saying it is because it's probably something stupid. It's probably something that they just want more leverage on or more control. Um, but uh, it's just I think hopefully it's just a stunt, and in a couple of weeks they'll, they'll sell it and negotiate uh, a, a net. Amical deal for both of
0: them. Yeah. Well, speaking of media and the RIAA, let's talk some file sharing numbers. Apparently the MPD group has come out this week and said that the, demand, the consumer demand for music among internet users has fell 2% from this time last year. Hold on. Okay. okay, and CD sales have dropped 19% from in the same period, whereas the most dramatic decrease was among teens at 34%, and, there's, and then there's a whole bunch of different numbers here that goes into all of what they've studied in terms of sales over the past year, but really the kind of surprising thing in the article, I'll Read it. it. says that the overall number of file shares sharing music illegally has, is steady at 14%. However, the volume shared rose by 23% as peer to peer users reportedly are downloading more files and teens have purchased 34% more paid digital downloads compared to that of a year ago. But the number of for them, downloading music illegally using peer-to-peer file sharing networks and services has rose an astonishing 46%.
1: Yeah, I'd be interested to see how they know that this 46% uh, of teens are actually teens. How do they know the age of the people who who are sharing these files?
0: I, that's what I've never understood about studies like this is, one, who's going to admit to groups like this that they're doing this, and I mean, how many people do they actually get to participate in these surveys? I mean, if you get a sample too small, it's really going to skew the, the actual numbers.
1: Yeah, are you going to interview somebody, hey, how old are you, and uh, do you still music? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I, I just don't believe that.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't think so either. I think the closest thing they could get to that would be going on MySpace and say, hey, here's a survey. Why don't you take it and tell us if you download music illegally or if you purchase it off of iTunes or Amazon?
1: Yeah. And also, a lot of this, these these surveys, depending on how they're worded, you can choose yes or no. Like, have you ever stolen music online? I mean, who's going to choose no on that one? I'll choose, I mean, yeah, sure, I've, I've stolen music ever in my life. And it says, what age group are you in? And then they could say, oh, look, it, it, the people who answered the survey stole music more than the people they did the last survey for them from, so now that's a 46% increase. Hmm. I'm guessing that the wording of whatever survey they're using is ambiguous enough that someone could choose yes, and then bam, there's your numbers.
0: Well, I think part of it, too, is how people, how much do people understand about what is legal and what's illegal about some of the music that they find online? I Do people realize that some of the stuff that they find online, like on a YouTube or something like that, is largely pirated content that they're watching? Yet, that's not... When you're watching something like a YouTube or a streaming music site or something like that, that's not really something that enters into your mind compared to when you're actually going on BitTorrent or something to look for these files
1: yeah or it could be as simple as in as going back to the wording um, there's a lot of streaming music now um, mm-hmm. when you think about Pandora you think of Flacker you think of uh, even online radio stations uh, they could say something in a survey have you ever listened to music you haven't paid for online and I would choose yes because I listen to streaming music Uh, there are more ways to get music like they mentioned iTunes in the the Amazon MP3 store. I I really have no faith in this 46%. Yeah.
0: Part of me believes it and part of me doesn't. I mean, I'm sure there's an increase, but if it's that kind of an increase, I'm not sure I necessarily believe that. I I, I tend to go along with a lot of the numbers that the MPD group comes out with, but I but stuff like this I'm not so sure about.
1: Yeah. I wonder if they well, I'm guessing M P D group they make money on their quote unquote research that they do. Um I wonder if this is such a, a a big juicy story that they just hope people would download it or pay for the actual research. Because I don't. I would like to see what their margin of error, their uh, test pool, and uh, what they actually define as uh, sh- stealing music. Because um, if you just look at the title, "Teen File Sharing Up 46." percent if it's just file sharing, that doesn't necessarily mean it's illegal.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I I tend to be suspect of studies like this. And it's hard to get people to honestly admit stuff like this, so... Rather less people that are informed enough to... Know all the different facets about what's... Illegal, or what's legal... In these kind of spaces as to where they can actually give you an accurate answer of what they do online. Yeah, and so I'm writing this off.
1: It's 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 crap.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so too. Anyway, I guess that's all the news that we have for this show. And I'm, I'm not sure when this show will get up. I'm... Hopefully I can have it up tomorrow. If not, I'll have it up by Wednesday for sure. We record again next Saturday. Looking for a guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the Global Geek News podcast, you can send me an email at pcnerd37 at globalgeeknews.com. Or you can just drop a comment in the post on the website. That works just as well, too. Anyway, our next recording should be on Saturday, so I hopefully should have it out by next Monday. So, while all of the, the other podcasts around the world happen to take a holiday vacation for this week and next week, we will be here the whole time and podcasting. And don't forget to check out the Geek News Daily podcast. That is my daily technology podcast. It's a whole lot shorter than this one. So,. You can find that at geeknewsdaily dot com, and don't forget you can always follow me on Twitter at twitter dot com slash pcnerd thirty seven. And what's your Twitter, Wesley? I'm
1: Wesley eighty three at Twitter.
0: Ah, cool. Anything else you wanna plug before we sign off? Uh,
1: no, that's it. I um, free fill to add me free free. <laughs> go ahead and add me on Twitter and uh, DM me or send me an at-reply and uh, I'll chat with you if you need any, If you want me to expound more on my comments here on the show and hopefully I'll see you next week Jeremy when
0: we do this again that yeah, was great to have you on this is a great first episode for you
1: so first I'll, of many I hope
0: we can always hope I'll see you next week Later, everybody. And don't forget to check out the show notes at globalgeeknews.com. Later.